CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, your Ben Jarofsky show, Oh, What a Week It Was, Lori's Gonna Lori, is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, our sponsors, the Chicago Teachers Union, brand new sponsors. We'll have some copy to read for you guys uh, coming later on in the month as well. And today's show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com, for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go. What to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and our colleague Maya Dukmasova. It's Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. Subscribe. And if you want to help out this program, you can. You can become a binhead. That's true. Find out more information, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J O R A V as in victory. S-K-Y. It is Friday, July 2nd. Happy July, Ben. Happy July. And live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week It Was. Now your host, Jarofsky's going to Jarofsky. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. A lot of Jarofskys. That's a tough name, man. We're calling this. Better change your name to Jay. That's a lot easier to say. And here's why. All right. Yes, it is. Oh, what a week it was. And Dennis has a very clever uh, title for the show. We have a whole bunch of fun stuff. Did we miss a week? We didn't do the show last week because Dr. D was taking a much deserved, much needed uh, vacation. A couple days off he had. I missed uh, all of you. I missed all of you. I missed everyone. Yes. Uh, But you know what? He needed it. He came back looking tanned and rested and ready to go. Uh, And I just shout out to DJ Nate for sitting in for him. before we go to oh what a week, I just have to say one thing. We um, Monroe and Jim Coogan were on the show Wednesday, and we were talking about the Supreme Court justices. And is it possible that the Supreme Court justices that Donnie Trump appointed were actually going to disappoint uh, their uh, MAGA supporters and be a little more liberal? Well, the answer was uh, <laughs> was uh, broadcast yesterday with a six to three ruling in an Arizona case that can make it harder to challenge new voting limits laws. Uh, they're uh, they uh, to quote Monroe, who called me up last night to tell me this. They are who we thought they were. Yes, <laughs> they're Republicans, ladies and gentlemen, of the right wing persuasion. And they're going to use the power they have to make it easier for Republicans to win reelection by, among other things, this cockamamie law in Arizona, man. Like if you accidentally go and vote at the wrong uh, precinct, maybe they changed the precinct that you were in and you didn't get the notification, whatever. They could throw your vote out. How is that fair? It's just like they're just trying to make it harder, more difficult for people and to vote and their notion is that the people that will get caught up in the rules and the technicalities more often than not will be Democrats. So you throw out a hundred votes and 80 of them are Democrats and 20 Republicans. It's an advantage to the Republicans. Even if it's 60, 40, it's an advantage to the Republicans. Nobody said that Republicans were dumb just that they were up to no good. We got a great show today, everybody. It's Oh, What a Week It Was. Without further ado, I'm going to turn the things over to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, who's going to lead us through the news of the week, the man they call Dennis. <laughs> I got three shots, four. The man they call Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Yes, my name's Dennis. Without further ado, let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. We begin in Illinois, and 
Take a bow, Illinois, because for the first time in 20 years, the state of <laughs> Illinois' credit rating has been upgraded. Governor Pritzker, please tell us more. Is this like a mistake? Make no mistake, oh. despite all the challenges of the last year, after eight credit downgrades our state suffered under my predecessor, I say with full certainty, Illinois' fiscal condition is heading in the right direction for the first time in the 21st century. What does this news prove? And while our journey to solve all of Illinois' fiscal challenges continues, today's news proves that when it comes to positive change in Illinois, oh, okay. we are well on our way. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Wait, are you done? I love it when you do that thing. Uh, folks, I always say this, and it's ancient history, but there was a song. There was a guy, like a comedian that would do that. And he would ask a question, and then he would answer the question with a, with a, with a song. So, like, they would play a song. Anyway, Dennis reminds me of that guy. Very clever. Very old. It's an old radio trick, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're well on our way. But seriously, guys, it's still pretty bad. Even after that upgrade, uh, Illinois remains the lowest rated state on Moody's scale. Two notches below the next lowest state. Ben Jarofsky, any guess as to which state has the second worst credit rating in America next to Illinois? Oh, my God. I hadn't. This is just a guess. So I'm going to go with Mississippi. Mississippi. Ben Jarofsky, is that your final answer? (laughs) You feeling good about Mississippi? Final answer. Yes. Okay. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) New New Jersey was the answer. Oh, New Jersey. You know, but you you know how it always is like when you're rating states and it's usually Mississippi is the worst. And so they go, we're not as bad as Mississippi, but we're pretty bad. So I didn't know New Jersey. <laughs> well, shout out to all of our uh, listeners in Mississippi. We love all of you. And hey, congratulations on that NCAA baseball uh, World Series win. Am I right, Ben? Yes. I was unaware that Mississippi won. I just know that North Carolina got kicked out. Yeah, I have cable now, so I watch Sports Center. So that's that's. Uh, it's, oh, Scott Van Pelt. Hop, oh, Scott Van Pelt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did not. So, what do you By think way, about this? Oh, go ahead. ahead. Before we go on, say it. Say, say I got for the the NBA champ uh, playoffs is cable, and I'm just gonna say it right now. Barkley, Shaq, and Kenny Smith, and Ernie are so much better than ESPN. I'm just gonna go on. I'm gonna say it, D. I'm gonna say it. Okay, they are awesome. I love them. Way better than ESPN. Back to the news. They are, in fact, not terrible. <laughs> Come on, Ernie. Ernie. That's terrible. <laughs> Ernie. <laughs> Our Charles Barkley imitation. <laughs> Chuck. Chuck. Uh, Chuck. All of, um, my, all of my sports uh, caster impressions start with, come on. There's uh, Shannon Sharp. Come on, Skip. There's that one. <laughs> and then there's, what's that guy's name? Uh, the guy on ESPN. Uh, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen you know. A. Smith. Come on, Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman. <laughs> they was yelling. At Max. Come on, Ernie. Yeah, good no, times. Ernie, man. Anyway. I digress. Go ahead, Dean. All right. Uh, so, anything else you'd like to say here before we move on? You know, Illinois has been pretty uh, notorious well, as the broke yeah. ass state. Uh, moving on up. Yeah, moving on up to the east side. I finally got a piece of pie. All right. Let me just say this. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Governor Pritzker. If it was a Republican uh, who's was in charge when the, the rating was raised, they would be pounding themselves on the back. And you're not going to hear anything nice from the Republicans. I'm just going to say this. The bar is pretty low. <laughs> uh, was considered a triumph. And yet, when we consider that the previous governor, a Republican, name Rauner, that Republicans Ugh. in the state of Illinois <laughs> pretend does not existed. This guy wouldn't even have a budget. This guy wouldn't have a budget because he was trying to use the lack of a budget as a means of extortion to force Democrats into taking away collective bargaining rights. Let's not forget that, people. Okay, let's not forget that. So I think sanity has returned to the state of Illinois. And everybody knows I'm a big fan of J.B. Pritzker on many fronts. And one of them is uh, he's just so much better than Bruce Rauner on so many ways. <laughs> in so many ways. Hey. Although, 
part of me misses Bruce Runner's. Oh, like, dude, you and me both, pal. <laughs> you and me both. Duh. Oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> he would go on those downstate talk shows. We had a field day, and Dr. D would, oh, excuse me, Dennis, would gather up the clips and we would have, and then Dennis would analyze his accent and how phony it was and you know, how it really wasn't downstate. <laughs> Good times, D good times. Great, man. great times. Yay for <laughs> sanity. Yay for higher credit ratings and yay for our teachers. <laughs> yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. Oh God. You know who loved that? Let's give a shout out. Maya Dukmasova. Oh, yeah. She loved yay for our teachers. And Maya and I, by the way, we died out. How about this for a trade? Damn, that sure. was good. Yeah, come on, man. That came out of nowhere. You're slick, buddy. Oh, come on. It's been five years I've been doing this. No, four years I've been doing this. That's coming up this Tuesday, huh? Yes, July 6th. Rob Markwick will be there, and uh, Delia Ramirez will be there, and Rod Martin will be there. And I can't wait. And there's oh going to be a rock God. concert afterwards. Ben, so. bring your harmonica. The day may finally come. You get to jam out with Markwick. I know you talk about that often. Uh, Markwick, I'm going to jam it with the rock. Whatever the rock group is, I'm singing lead for them. Under my thumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are you talking about the rock band later after the show? Yeah. No, they're, they're no, they want nothing to do with you, political nerds. <laughs> I know. They're like, uh, could you leave? <laughs> All right. So that's good news, I guess. Uh, We're getting a little more unbroke, uh, the state of Illinois. Now let's talk about legal reefer. And mainly, let's talk about the Illinois Recreational Cannabis License Lottery process. Boy, does this thing stink. (laughs) So to make sure we're all on the same page. Yes, recreational cannabis, marijuana, hippie lettuce, left-handed cigarettes, whatever you want to call it. It's legal in Illinois. And in an effort to at least look like they're doing the right thing, the state set up a lottery process and awarded potential cannabis shop owners with a license to run said shop. But turns out the lottery was rigged. Welcome to Illinois. But hey, how about that credit rating, huh? You can pay for and turn in as many applications as you can afford uh, with this lottery process. And hey, what do you know? Very wealthy and what a coincidence, white people got all the licenses. Funny how that works. Once people caught on to this, a bill was then passed by the General Assembly in May that would correct dispensaries in the lottery process. Now we are learning that while the governor has not been shy with signing legislation lately, this cannabis license bill is still sitting on the governor's desk waiting for him to sign it. The manufacturing end of the cannabis industry is on hold, too. Licenses for craft grow, infusion, and transportation, which were supported, uh, which were supposed to have been distributed July 1st last year, have yet to be hand it out. Now, Ben, get ready, because I am going to be asking you in moments if this is BS or no BS. The governor, and by the governor, I mean a spokesperson, weighed in on this and said, quote, it's a lengthy process because we are giving applicants multiple times to submit corrections. So we have as many social equity applicants as possible when we have a lottery. It's a long process. But at the end of the day, we want as many people as possible to be able to take part. Ben Jarofsky, BS or no BS? Yes. Oh. <laughs> should have been done months ago. We all know it. This should be the number one priority. Number one priority should not have been giving hipsters who already have access to a reefer access to a legal reefer. The number one priority should make sure that black people cut in on the pie because they suffered the brunt of the punishment from the war on drugs. And it's still happening, D. I'm going to get going on uh, Shakari Richardson in a little while. But uh, before I go into that, which is just like burning in my brain, uh, I suppose I should say better late than never. And we've been hammering this theme for so long, the inability of the state of Illinois uh, to cut a little piece of the pie to black people, black entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, there should be some kind of overall reparations, in my humble opinion, for the war on drugs. But I know that's not going to, it's so hard just to even do like a, a, a make sure that uh, black entrepreneurs get a, uh, some of the licenses. So better late than never, I say, D. They stumbled. They know they stumbled. So now they're trying to spin it as best they can. But let me just talk about Shakari Richardson. D, have you been following this story at all? Do you know who she is? Yeah, I've been seeing it on uh, social media. 
I'm uh, pretty obsessed with her. I'm a track and field fan. She's a great sprinter, perhaps the fastest woman uh, in the world right now, I think. And she won, uh, she qualified to represent the United States in the Olympics in the 100 meter dash. And folks, if you didn't watch it, you should watch it. It's an unbelievable race. She's so fast. She's such a beautiful runner, graceful runner. Uh, and uh, after the race, she was the runner who immediately ran up into the stands, great moment, and hugged her grandmother. I don't know if you saw that, D. She hugged her grandmother after she won this race after she set the world record uh, because her grandmother uh, raised her. Her mom died, biological mom died. Her grandmother had a big part in raising her. And so she was just overwhelmed with emotion and she hugged her grandmother. And this is an old guy like, oh, I was, I mean, I admit I tear up every time I see it. Uh, yesterday, the uh, it was announced that she had flunked a uh, drug test. Uh, and so she'll be suspended from running for a month. And that means she will not be able to participate probably unless there's some kind of appeal uh, in the hundred meter dash, the hundred meter race uh, at the Olympics. And the, the test that she flunked was for cannabis. Are we, are you kidding me? I mean, when are we going to end this insane war on drugs with cannabis? And I looked into this D and I'm like, Okay, so why is cannabis banned? And uh, it's a ban, they allege, because two reasons. One, it gives runners an unfair competitive advantage uh, if they smoke it. And two, it, um, it sends a bad message to children of the world. But let's deal with the first one first. D, now I know you've what? never smoked marijuana or taken it because it's against the law. Yeah. And you would never break the law true <laughs> but <laughs> but and and you would never even be in a room with someone breaking the law because like let's say your friend billy bob uh took a joint out and smoked it and you would say billy bob smoking marijuana is illegal yeah. and i cannot in good conscience be in the same room as you my buddy billy bob is such a pothead uh, yeah and then like the cookie man with the cookies if he gave you a cookie and you would say uh is there cannabis in this cookie i will not eat it but okay, so that is all true. But you have seen people under the influence of marijuana. Do you think, with your experience of marijuana and cannabis, which is not, but make, go ahead, wait, it, would, <laughs> it would make someone run faster? You know what I mean? Like, what what competitive advantage would be gained from smoking a joint and then running a race? I would I would argue maybe running longer longer amount of time because you're just all in your head just thinking about stuff like oh man not even thinking about running that's maybe the only case you know what i mean maybe like you're distracted maybe. a little bit not thinking so much about all the running as you're ripped out of your mind just i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know that's a stretch that's that's the stretch sound you know somehow or other uh They've decided that it gives a runner a competitive advantage, which I don't see. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, it sends a bad message. Like everyone does it. It's legal. They're using marijuana as an incentive in the state of Washington to get people to take the freaking shot. So you get immunized against COVID. Uh, that ship has sailed. War on druggers. <laughs> you know? So absolutely absurd. And uh, Shakira Richardson, I really hope they figure out, so they get some lawyers in the room and figure out a way to get around this. Because first of all, it just be denying us all an opportunity to watch a truly great runner. Uh, and if I were the other competitors, the other runners, I would be standing up for her because there's absolutely no advantage she gets over them by smoking a joint or taking marijuana. She did it. She said to cope with the stress and the strain of uh, her mom's death. Be that as it may, whatever reason she did it, there's no competitive advantage. So the other runner should say, let her run. Let her run. So DA just had to say that while we are paying, making good our, our budget obligations by taxing the hell out of the sale of legalized reefer, Shikari Richardson's being banned from the Olympics for having smoked it. That, my friends, is hypocrisy. See, and you don't have to be high to see it. Oh, you really don't. All right, Ben, real quick. Who would win in a race? Shakari Robinson or Jackie Joyner Kersey? Oh, for the pride and joy of East St. Louis, uh, Richardson, uh, Shakari Richardson. I would say Shakari Richardson would win because she runs faster. <laughs> but if you took, I mean, oh, well, Ben, what an insightful. <laughs> 
my goodness, your knowledge of track and field is unbelievable. But if you could bring her back in time, if imagine this, if we had a little spaceship and we put oh. uh, Shakira Richardson in the spaceship and we'd send her back in time. <laughs> and so it was 1984. I don't know. I'll tell you who would not be the fastest. Me. No. <laughs> I am slow as they come. I never knew you were such a track and field fan. I don't really brag about it a lot, D, you know, but uh, the reality is I have a problem. It's called sports, and uh, I watch quite a bit of it. Well, let's keep uh, talking about that problem of yours. <laughs> I don't think we've heard your opinion on uh, the latest comments from Scotty Pippen on uh, Phil Jackson, former coach. Oh, my God. Uh, how much time do we have? Go. Um, all right. So Scotty Pippen gave an interview with, uh, I think it's Dan GQ. Patrick. Oh, was it, Dan, was, was it Dan Patrick? I it was Dan Patrick. I don't know. Maybe it was Dan Patrick for GQ. I read it in GQ. All right. So first of all, Scotty Pippen has come out with a new uh bourbon i think it is a new whiskey so he was doing interviews to promote the whiskey in fact we were hoping to try to get him on the show but he's like i'm not going on that show with that hippie uh and so um anyway went on a riff and he said that uh in that crucial moment in 1994 when the bulls were in the playoffs against the knicks and it was 1.8 seconds left and the bulls were down by two uh, and it was a pivotal game. They would have definitely lost the series if they had lost that game. And Phil Jackson called a timeout and he designed the final shot, a play for the final shot, and it would go to Tony Kukoc, uh, not Scottie Pippen. That Scottie Pippen would throw the ball in to Tony Kukoc. And so Scottie Pippen would essentially be a decoy. And Scottie Pippen was so insulted that the final play was not drawn up for him. Uh, that he refused to go in the game. Now, you got to understand, people, Michael Jeffrey Jordan had just retired from baseball, and Scottie Pippen had been Michael Jordan's number two, and now he was the number one, the man, and he felt that as the man, he should get the final shot. And what uh, Phil Jackson was saying, the best player in the team is not always the best clutch shooter. And if anybody knows anything about basketball, you know that's true. Robert Ory God, I could go on. Robert Ory was not the best player on any team he played for. He played for the Lakers with Kobe Bryant. He played for uh, Houston with Hakeem Olajuwon. He played for San Antonio with uh, uh, Timmy Duncan. But Robert Ory was always the best clutch shooter. If you're going to go to a last shot, you go to Robert Ory. Ray Allen was not the best shooter in the Miami Heat. I mean, he was not the best player in Miami. LeBron James was. But who do you want to take the last shot? Ray Allen. So I'm just saying, Scottie Pippen, you may have been the best player in the Chicago Bulls, but the best clutch shooter was Tony Kukoc. He should have gotten the last shot. And D, after Scottie Pippen refused to go in the game, they put Pete Myers in, my beloved Pete Myers. He threw a perfect inbound pass to Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc drained the shot. The Bulls won the game. And that saved Scottie Pippen's career in Chicago. So years later, Scotty Pippen, my humble opinion, should be saying, you know what? I messed up there. And but my Tony bailed me out with that shot and life goes on and we won three more championships. But no, he says that um, it was race. That race motivated uh, Phil Jackson to draw up a play for Tony Kukoc because Phil Jackson at that moment when the whole season was on the line was saying, hmm, you know what I really want to do? I want to promote the career of Tony Kukoc. That's what I want to do. It's 1.8 seconds of this incredibly tense game, which has already been fights. Like my, our entire season is coming to a potential close, but I really want to promote the brand of Tony Kukoc. That's what I want to do. Guys, let's think of a way to promote Tony Kukoc's brand. Maybe he'll let us be in his commercial. Come on, Scotty Pippen. Come on, Scotty. You're better than that. D, you asked me, and so I told you. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Jay Marie was wondering uh, that as well on the live stream chat. She asked that earlier this week. All right. I think that's enough statewide news. Governor Pritzker, anything you'd like to add before we move on? Face coverage. Okay. That's... <laughs> Say that a lot. All right, let's get to the main course. Oh, what a week it was for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. But like Barney Ross, the 1930s fighter who grew up in the Maxwell Street neighborhood. 
We have gotten back up, legs stronger, steely focus, and resolve to fight on. All right. I forgot the Barney Ross uh, reference. I forgot that. That was, yeah, that was from her speech uh, back in, was her 2019? Good God, two years have passed. Two years. Yes, Barney Ross. That is, that is crazy, though. It's about two years. That doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah, by the way, Jay Marie. Dick Jay Marie, our longtime listener, was right about Lori Life. I just have to say that. Hate it. I hate admitting I'm wrong. There you go. So she said she doesn't agree with you on the Scotty Pippa thing, by the way, she just said. All right. First up, your reaction to criticism, uh, Tribune editorial used the term irascible. Uh, how much of this do you think might have to do with the fact that you're a woman and partic- specifically a black woman? About 99 percent of it. How about the mayor's interview on WTTW this week? She was on Chicago Tonight, and no, she wasn't with Rahm Emanuel's favorite, but not really favorite at all, Paris Shoots. She was talking with the ever-so-dapper Phil Ponce, and the audio I'm about to play mainly stems from what went down at last week's city council meeting, a.k.a. the Aldermania 2021 showdown between Mayor Lightfoot and 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor. Ben, for those who may have not got the details on all of this, walk us through what happened here last week when Jeanette Taylor and Mayor Lightfoot literally went face-to-face. All right, well... uh most of our listeners know this very well because by chance, Janet Taylor came on the show uh, th- the Thursday, the day afterwards, and we did a long interview about it, but I'll, I'll condense it to this. Uh, it was at last Wednesday's uh, city council meeting and the matter of approving uh, the mayor's choice for corporation council came up and Raylo, who was on the show last week as well, Raymond Lopez and Jeanette Taylor uh, tag teamed to uh, pull a, a stall a procedural stall uh, called defer and publish where they moved the matter to the next meeting. Uh, they didn't then, uh, Jeanette Taylor said she wanted to send a message, uh, to Lori Lightfoot that she did not approve of the way Lori Lightfoot or her corporation council have been handling the Anjanette Young case, the case of the West side woman whose home was raided by police in 2019 and uh, was handcuffed naked. You all know the story. We've had Anjanette Young in this show as well. And so she was sending a message of protest by deferring and publishing. Lori Lifer got so upset by that that she called a recess to the meeting. She pointed at Jeanette Taylor, walked as is to say, meet me in the back, got left the podium, walked across the council floor and got into Jeanette Taylor's face. Uh, and Jeanette Taylor didn't appreciate it at all. And that sort of sums it all up, D. All right. In a nutshell. Well, I have the rest of the audio uh, from Mayor Lightfoot on WTTW. Uh, Jeanette Taylor has responded uh, to this audio, by the way. But first, let's hear the mayor this week on Chicago Tonight. Uh, ben, I actually have the audio here. I got to pull it up. I need you to stall if you could, please. Ben, what do you got going on this weekend? You going to the movie theater again by any chance? Yeah, maybe going to see a movie. Really? Maybe. What movie are you yeah. thinking about seeing? Uh, I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. I'm thinking of seeing Fast and Furious 9. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I can see why it'd be a little. John Cena's in it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, they, there's like a Helen Mirren's in it. Everybody, I'm surprised you're not in it. I mean, they're really like. Well, uh, stick I, around after the credits. You may be surprised. All right, that's enough snarling. Here's the rest of Mayor Lightfoot on WTTW. Expand on that. Well, I mean, look, look at my predecessors. Um, did did people say that Rich Daly um, held uh, you know uh, uh, tea sessions uh, with people that he didn't disagree on? Uh, Ron Emanuel was a polite um, guy who was a, a uniter. No, women and people of color are always held to a different standard. I understand that. I've known that my whole life. And the Tribune or whoever can write what they want. What I'm doing is fighting for the residents of the city. I'm an advocate. I'm going to continue fighting. Um, obviously, we need to be focused on uniting people as much as we can. But I, I was elected and ran on disrupting the status quo. <laughs> I'm sorry, disrupting the status quo as she upholds TIF deals for some of the richest developers in the city of Chicago to subsidize the gentrification of one of the fastest gentrifying neighbors of the city of Chicago. But she's upsetting the status quo. Uh, anyway, D, I cut you off. What was Jeanette Taylor's response? But wait, there's more from Lori. And when you disrupt the status quo, you are going to make um, people uncomfortable. You are going to have people criticize you. But I know where my North Star is. I know the things that we need to be working on. 
can I do things differently and better? Of course, life is a, a lifelong learning um, experience, I hope, for me and for others. But I uh, absolutely understand that the critics, some of them who are out there, are criticizing me because they don't like to see a woman assume power and, and forge ahead on an agenda that is about disrupting the status quo. Um, and look, I also say with the Tribune, consider the source. This criticism comes just about a month or so after I made a pointed decision at my two-year anniversary that I was only gonna give interviews uh, for that two-year anniversary to journalists of color. And it was like the sky was falling on the part of some of the folks that are embodiments of the status quo, including um, some of the media folks. But look around, look at that Tribune editorial board, look at the editorial boards of most of the uh, big media companies here in the city. They do not reflect our diversity. And many of the people on those boards don't even live in Chicago. So I'm sorry if I offend people by fighting for what people elected me to do, which is disrupt the machine, disrupt the status quo, and make city government more responsive to the residents. So that was that. Now to JT Jeanette Taylor. This comes from Fox 32 Chicago. Yes, home of Mike Flannery. Ben, can we hear that Flannery impression? Yeah, you know, Willie, I can see the, the reparations in Louisiana, but Chicago's been great to black people. <laughs> the closest we'll ever have to him coming back again is that right there, Ben's impression. Jeanette Taylor called Lori's comments a cop-out, saying, quote, the same way that I challenged her, I've challenged Mayor Rahm, I've challenged Mayor Daley, and I was a community organizer then. That's not true. That's the cop-out. At the end of the day, it's her responsibility and duty as our coworker to pull us together and have us figure out plans that work for our community. She then commented on her dust-up with the mayor last week, saying, quote, doesn't seem to be uh, any compromise with her. It's her way or the highway. And that's not going to work for the citizens of the city. The thought that she would walk from her seat to meet me at the gallery, stick her finger in my face and scream at me, that's not becoming of an elected official. That's not. I would never in a million years treat her that way. A lot to uh, unpack here and um, unpack it. I will after I take this drink of water. Hold on, Dean. Delicious drink of water because Mm -hmm. there is a lot. So let me start by saying what I agree with Lori Lightfoot on. And uh, Madam Mayor, I think you raise a very good point. I agree. I agree with uh, Lori Lightfoot, part of the things she said there. Uh, Abusive behavior by mayors is not only tolerated in the city of Chicago, but it's rewarded. The average Chicago voter apparently thinks that one of the keys to being an effective mayor is to be a bully. That's why we keep electing them. Mayor Daley, a bully, got elected, what was it, five times in a row by people in the city of Chicago? And there was ample evidence of his bullying. Get all red in the face and yell at people, was nasty to reporters, threatened my good friend Mick Dumkey once, said he's going to take a musket and stick it up his butt and shoot him. But he was a bully. And Chicago's attitude was, oh, like a bully. You're going to be tough, Ben. The mayor of the city of Chicago. And the editorial boards, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is right. They never criticize. I don't remember them criticizing Mayor Daly's temperament. You're absolutely right, Madam Mayor. And then we got Rom. Rom's whole reputation was that he was a total schmuck, a jerk, an ass. That was his reputation. That goes back to the early 80s. And here's the average Chicago contemplating Rom as mayor. Well, Ben, you gotta be really tough and mean and nasty to be mayor of city of Chicago. So Ron became mayor of the city of Chicago and was behind the scenes, abusive and nasty and mean to pretty much everyone he met. He, of course, was the one who told Karen Lewis, fuck you, Lewis. We all know he said it. We all know how abusive was, how nasty was. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you are correct. I do not recall Chicago Tribune ever complaining. In fact, they were cheering him on when he badmouthed Karen Lewis because they hated the Chicago Teachers Union. They didn't want any. You talk about the status quo being preserved, Mayor Lightfoot. They did not want to see the Chicago Teachers Union have any kind of influence in the city of Chicago. Why? 
Good question, Mayor Lightfoot. The reason they didn't want the Chicago Teachers Union having any influence in the city of Chicago is because they wanted to guarantee that most of the money was spent for downtown development and that we wouldn't, quote unquote, waste money on public schools. So, yes, Mayor Rahm was abusive, mean and nasty. And yes, Mayor Daley was mean, abusive and nasty. And yes, the Chicago Tribune cheered them on and voters voted for them. So now here you come along, you got thin skin, you got a quick temper and you bully people who are below you on the totem pole and you think you can get away with it. And you, they criticize you. And yeah, you're right to say, what the hell? I thought this was a strength in the city of Chicago. I thought being mean and nasty and bossy and closing down the lakefront. <laughs> Remember that day taking your car. That's what gets you ahead. I thought it was only that hippie writer for the Chicago reporter who cared about stuff like that. Not the editorial board of Chicago Tribune. You applauded that. So you're absolutely correct, Mayor Lightfoot. However, just because Mayor Rahm was a jerk and just because Mayor Daley was a jerk does not mean you should be a jerk. It should not be, well, you know, the white man gets to be a jerk. So now I'm going to be a jerk. No. Jerky behavior. You crossed the line with Jeanette Taylor. Jeanette Taylor did a legitimate parliamentary maneuver. She used the tools to her advantage that she had to send a message to you about how you and your corporation council were treating Anjanette Young. That was a legitimate tool that was at her disposal. You used it the week before with DeSable Drive. When you use it for DeSable Drive, did Sophia King March up to the podium and get in your face and wag her finger. When you called on Brian Hopkins overlooking Sophia King and stalled that so that you could hold off on a vote on Disciple Drive because you knew you were going to lose that vote. Did David Moore, the alderman of the 17th Ward who was sponsoring it, come up to the podium and lecture you? Or did they say, did they put their fingers up? Come here. Make that little finger sign that people do to get you to come on the floor and leave a lecture? No. Because in politics, parliamentary moves in the city council are used from time to time to send messages, to needle people, to annoy people, or just to buy time. So you do it. Why can't they do it? Why are somehow or other your needs more important than their needs? And that's that mentality. And it's not a has to do anything with the fact that Rom is a white man or Daly's a white man and Lori Lightfoot's a black woman. It's the mentality of people in the city of Chicago that their mayor is the boss and their mayor is never wrong. And their mayor uh, should be able to exercise as much power as he or she has, because that's what we want with a mayor. I think that's wrong if it's Daly, Rom or Lightfoot. So I think that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was absolutely correct when she pointed out that it was a double standard D with the way uh, the trend. And she's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely right. To go consider the source when it comes to Chicago Tribune editorials, because that editorial board, man, <laughs> so off the chains, off the chart. So I'm with you, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Although I don't recall you complaining about the Chicago Tribune editorial board when they endorsed you not once, but twice. <laughs> or maybe they endorsed Bill Daly the first time around. I don't know. I can't, can't remember. But they definitely endorsed you over Tony Preckwinkle. I didn't hear you complaining about consider the source then. Well, Consider the source. They endorsed me. Of course, they're going to endorse the corporate candidate. I don't recall that. You were loving the Chicago Tribune editorial board back then. At least I'm consistent, D. I can't stand their editorials. All right. So she has a point, but she owes Jeanette Taylor an apology. And talking about how horrific those editorials are, it's just ducking and dodging and weaving and bobbing, D. It's, uh, it, just avoiding what it, we all know she owes Jeanette Taylor an apology. Yeah. All right. I said it. Way to go. Excellent. Excellent job. Uh, let's see here. Oh, a lot of people are requesting, I guess, a lot of editorial board talk going on today. People are requesting Mike Girardi editorial board. We will play that after. Oh, what a week it was. Uh, more Lightfoot news, and it's now time for everyone's favorite Chicago political soap opera. It's episode 569 of A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that. But you are out of order, sir. You're out of order, sir. 
Quite a few aldermen in today's episode. Apparently, 19 aldermen invoked a rarely used provision of state law to call a special meeting of the Chicago City Council for today, Friday, at 11 a.m. in an effort to pressure Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown to step up efforts and reduce violent crime. It is the second time this year that alder people have called an emergency meeting of the City Council over Lightfoot's objections. It will be held virtually. I've been looking for updates here uh, on this meeting, yet to receive them. Uh, If I get any before we end the show, I'll give those updates. But the mayor has a sneaky suspicion as to who is behind this special meeting. According to Lightfoot, it's all Ed Burke. Yes, the greasy alderman whose offices were raided by the FBI a couple of years back. And yes, also the guy who did the greasiest of greasy moves and shook down a Burger King in his ward for coupons. No, no, no. For straight up cash. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Mayor Lightfoot on Thursday accused her political nemesis, indicted Alderman Edward Burke of the 14th Ward of being the heavy hand behind a call for Friday's special city council meeting on violent crime. Lightfoot said both she and Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown will be there, even though she firmly believes Burke and his minions orchestrated the meeting to stir the pot and create chaos. Here's the quote from the mayor. Quote, do I think this is about public safety? No, I don't. Are we going to be there to answer questions so residents are assured? Absolutely, we will. But let's face the facts here. This is political shenanigans, and you can figure out who's behind it. (laughs) Oh, we do have more quotes to share with you. Uh, And here's where the mayor, guys, the mayor may have outed herself as a binhead in this uh, (laughs) and the rest of her quote here. Because in Benny J. Show fashion, she gave Ed Burke a catchy nickname. Here's the quote from the mayor. Quote, Burger King Ed is still alive and well, and he is messing around and trying to create chaos. He can't do it in a way that makes him public, but he's doing it through puppets and trying to orchestrate chaos. We've seen this picture show in 83, 84, 85, 86, but guess what? Having seen that nonsense, it's not happening again. Uh, it's not happening again. Ben, do you agree with them, uh, with the mayor here, or in your opinion, are we just back in cop-out land? Uh, we are totally in cop-out land, but let me say this. Brilliant move, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I got to give her credit again. Got to give her credit again. So she thought, hmm, we have a crisis with crime in Chicago. Very serious crisis. People are getting shot every day. The car- it's, just, it's just like this... Uh, this horror show in Chicago where uh, every what Tuesday it is, the, all the shootings are compiled uh, and the papers just fit, feature stories about the carnage and the city seems incapable of dealing with it. And the problems are overwhelming. It's been going on forever. So I'm not blaming Lori Lightfoot, but I'm just saying this is a reality of life in the city of Chicago. And uh, for whatever reason, The Chicago City Council wants attention drawn to it, particularly as we head into the 4th of July weekend. And uh, I I don't see anything wrong with having a special meeting to discuss uh, the shootings and the violence in the city of Chicago. I don't know why we haven't had it already. Like, Troy LaRavier was talking about this, D, remember? Like, what is the strategy that the police are following? Is there a strategy? You know, I mean, this and this goes before Lori Lightfoot. Mayor Rahm promised to hire a whole bunch of police when he took office. Then he didn't hire them. And then uh, what he dealt with the shortage of, of police in the city by increasing overtime. Now we've had a movement subsequent to the Laquan McDonald uh, video being buried by Mayor Rahm to cut defund police. There's a, a chorus of people on the left who say we should take money that we spend on police and move it to social services. So there's just this wide ranging issue here of how to deal with crime. Should we hire more police? Should we cut police? How do we have uh, distribute the police that we have? What's the strategy that they're following? I'm not certain that we've ever had any 
discussion about it. We certainly, have, as I recall, have not had a moment at the city council where David Brown, the police chief, is questioned by aldermen. And yes, their aldermen have their political reasons for it. I'm sure that some of them can't stand Lori Lightfoot and they want to use it against Lori Lightfoot, but they also have to go back to their communities and their constituents who are wondering about violence in their street. Raymond Lopez in the 15th Ward, high crime area, a lot of shootings in this area. He has to answer to his constituents. Susan, Sue sedlowski Gars in the 10th Ward, she was on the show yesterday. Same thing. She has to answer her constituents, David Moore, et cetera, and so forth. Every alderman has to go back to his constituents or her constituents and address the real sincere complaints and fears that they have about crime. So it's absolutely legitimate that the alderman should have a hearing in which the police chief is responsible to come out and try to assure the public that they know what they're doing. And to dismiss it as politics is to just cavalierly dismiss one of the most pressing and important issues in the city of the day. So I disagree with with her notion that there should be no meeting on this. But the brilliance is to personify it as a cause led by Ed Burke, who's probably the most widely despised alderman in the city of Chicago, which is beyond irony, as Dennis and I love to point out. He was the most powerful alderman for years and years and years. Speaking of utter hypocrisy, uh, Mayor Daley and Mayor Rahm uh, made them made Burke the finance chief, finance chair, and it, it, like up until what the the month that he was finally indicted, his fundraisers were packed with the powerful people in the city of Chicago who were still kissing his ring. So yes, uh, there is hypocrisy that he had a position of power, but I think it's unfair. Uh, as clever as it is to assume that he's the puppeteer, you know, like Ray Lopez and Anthony Beal and uh, I don't know, uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa and uh, Byron Sixel Lopez or any of the aldermen just do what he says, <laughs> but it's effective D it's very funny. Burger King Ed, and he deserves it. And yes, yeah, she listens uh, to the Ben Jarofsky show. Cause Dennis is always Always, whenever he refers to Ed Burke, he always does the Burger King thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was very effective, very clever. Got to give her credit. She's quick on her feet. I never said she wasn't. I, in fact, she, she won me over with one meeting at the hideout. Yes, she did. did. <laughs> she won me over. I voted, I voted for her. Oh, my God. I remember telling Mick, Dunkey, my partner, she she's great. She She answered everything. And it's so funny because I'm old and mixed young, but he's like the jaded guy. And he took out his imaginary cigarette. He doesn't really smoke a cigarette. He goes, Ben, you got to stop believing some politician tells you. And then he flicked the cigarette away. And I go, but Mick, if she told me that she was for an elected school board, she must be for it. Because why would she tell me? <laughs> and he was like, a kid. You got a lot to learn. Yeah, he was right. He's younger than me. But out of the mouth of babes comes much wisdom, Dennis. Much wisdom indeed. Alderman Ed Burke could not be reached for comment. That is correct. <laughs> you know why, D? Why is that? He was enjoying lunch at a Burger King. Oh, I love the Whopper. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the way, Ed, there's no truth to the rumor. But my sources tell me Ed Burke loves a new chicken sandwich at Burger King. Did you know oh, that, the king? <laughs> What well, you know what? Next time we have Miles Conflason on the show, we have to address the all important burning question, and that is this: Is the new uh, chicken sandwich at Burger King better or worse than the original from Popeyes? I mean, we can settle that right now. Not at all. That Popeyes chicken sandwich is so good. The chicken, man, it's okay. You've, have you already had the chicken sandwich at Burger King? Uh, you better believe it. <laughs> Okay, well, we established, we don't even have to go to Miles. If you recall, ladies and gentlemen, Miles Kempflassen, uh, the pride and joy of uh, Whitney Young High School, outstanding journalist for In These Times, came on the show about a year ago, wasn't it, D? Yeah. And was singing the praise of the uh, chicken sandwich at... Uh, Popeye's. Damn, it's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Still haven't had it, D. Oh, Still haven't had I'm it. Missing out. The KFC has one? Nah. Burger King? Eh, maybe it's like the second best one, but all right. Which one I costs more? Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> I'm just curious. All right. And finally, Carrie Austin, sub pumps. Really? 
Alderman Carrie Austin of the 34th Ward and her chief of staff were indicted Thursday on charges of conspiring to take bribes from construction contractors seeking city assistance for a development project. According to the feds, a few days after the 4th of July 2017, Alderwoman Carrie Austin decided to accept a developer's offer for two brand new and expensive sub pumps for her home. They say she accepted an offer the next day for the developer to have a family member buy and install a a dehumidifier there. That developer oversaw a $50 million, 91-unit development in Austin's ward under a deal with the city of Chicago that made the developer's company eligible for $10.5 million in tax increment financing and other funding. Austin is now the third active alderman facing federal criminal charges. Alderman's Patrick Daly-Thompson and the aforementioned Ed Burke face charges in separate cases. Wow. The uh, Sun-Times uh, headline on this one was pretty good, D. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, uh, cash in carry? Cash <laughs> in carry? Yeah, yeah. With the question. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and uh, Alderman Austin, her name is Carrie Austin. So cash and carry, cash and carry. You know, it's kind of bad when I feel compelled to explain the headlines. You know, I think <laughs> our listeners understand it. Uh, Alderman Austin and her chief of staff charged with bribery and new federal indictment. D. I don't know. And then you go, you turn the page, the pullout says it all. Like the things that she was getting, like she was willing to trade her entire reputation, her entire career, uh, everything that she had worked so hard to gain for what? Uh, where is it? Doesn't say uh, like a sump pump. You had a field day with that one when I told you about the sump pump, D. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, you, you were saying your father should have been a Chicago City. Yeah, my dad would be a great alderman if that's what they do. Trade shit for sub pumps. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, alderman in hot water over alleged home improvements. Fed say kitchen cabinets, sump pumps served as kickbacks, a new indictment charging Alderman Carrie Austin with bribery. Really, uh, like I'm legis- uh, politically speaking, uh, Alderman Carrie Austin and I do not see eye to eye on him anything she's a loyal uh, she's a loyalist to uh, whatever whatever powerful mayor is in charge uh, daily rom and, and then Lori lightfoot uh, and um uh, so we don't see politically uh we don't see eye to eye politically uh but she had done very well as an alderman a lot of people in her family got jobs with the city uh, she had a long-standing career. She inherited the office from her husband was the alderman. And why would anybody just trade it in for, I just don't get it, D, to throw it all away um, for something as ridiculously uh, insignificant as some pumps and kitchen cabinets. So uh, it's allegation. That's very important to say that it's an allegation. It's very, we must say that, but here's the part that, uh, that, that caused my eyebrows to wear is that I was talking about it with some of my friends of the uh, political persuasion. Uh, it's been, it was about two years ago. D let's think about this, that we were talking about the original raid. The FBI raid was, I believe July of 2019 or June of 2019. It was two years ago. I remember you and I were in the old studio at the Sun-Times, our beloved uh, studio that they had for us at the Bright One before the pandemic, uh, talking about it. And uh, Danny Mialopoulos came on the show. He'll be coming on next week as well to talk about it. The WBEZ reporter has been uh, written so much about the Austins. And uh, I'm like, it took two years from that raid uh, to formalize an indictment. And most of my friends of the political persuasion who are far more knowledgeable about Chicago politics than I am, if such a thing is possible, and are definitely more cynical and jaded than I am, were saying that the Fed spent the last two years, D, trying to squeeze Carrie Austin and getting her to testify against somebody else. That's what the cynical, longtime observers of Chicago politics think. Uh, that, what, that's why they think the Feds took two years um, who, who would do, Oh, if I were a reporter on TV, two years and uh, to, in, to finally indict her. But that is a long time to go, keep someone squirming. You know what I mean? I mean, she knew they were coming after her, right? They raided her house. They carried out boxes of stuff. Two years. She had to sit under that. So I wonder what the heck was going on. Were they squeezing her? You know, the feds don't play D. Trump is finding that out in uh, New York. They just um, indicted his chief financial officer, uh, Alan uh, Weisselberg, 
Monroe was popping champagne corks over that one. Uh, he got indicted and obviously they're trying to, uh, uh, squeeze him to testify against Trump. That's obvious. So then I said to my really knowledgeable political friends who are more jaded than, uh, and, uh, and cynical than I am. Well, who were they trying to get Kerry Austin to testify against? You know, I mean, that's your theory. And you know what they can't tell me? They go Ed Burke. I'm like, Ed Burke, everybody's test. You got Solis, we- Solis wearing a wire again. I don't know. I don't think it was Ed Burke. I don't know. Maybe it's all the cutbacks in the federal but in the federal government under Trump. And that's why it took two years. But I don't know. Don't you think that's a long time, D, for someone to have that like scary cloud hanging over their head? Two years. That's like a form of torture in and of itself. It's all Ed Burke, though. All of it. Everyone else, an angel. Just this Burke, I tell you. What a rascal. Yeah. Everything is Ed Burke's fault. <laughs> Listen, Ed Burke, where was all this opposition to Ed Burke when he was totally in control? Where was it in 1984? By the way, Lori Life, that recitation she did for Phil Ponce, she was talking about uh, 83, 84, 85, 86. Those are council war years. Youngsters, council war. When Harold Washington was mayor of the city of Chicago, and Ed Burke, that Ed Burke, and a guy named Rodolik, uh organized all the white aldermen in the city, not all the white aldermen, most of the white aldermen in the city council to uh, oppose Harold Washington with this idea being that if they uh, uh, brought the sabotages administration, even if people had a short term loss, like they didn't get garbage collection or something, the, uh, it would help the city in the long term because the, fo- uh, the the public would vote him out of office. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. He died. Uh, he was reelected. Then he died. And then two years later, they got what they wanted. They brought in Richie Daly and he ruled for 25 years. <laughs> Not 25 years, 20 odd years. So uh, ultimately, Ed Burke got what he wanted. And uh, he had been kicked out as finance chair by Harold Washington. And Richie Daly said, come right back, my friend. Come right back. We're going to put you in charge of all the contracts and all the TIF deals in the city of Chicago. And Mayor Rahm continued it. So I'll say one more time. Alderman Lori, I mean Alderman, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has an excellent point. When she makes clear that the city of Chicago tolerated all kinds of nonsense before she was elected uh, mayor. Now, everybody hates Ed Burke. Tribune hates Ed Burke. I didn't see I had hatred from the Chicago Tribune's editorial board in the 90s and the O's. And Ed Burke was pushing through the city council, the parking meter deal on behalf of Mayor Daly. I didn't see that outrage. They loved Ed Burke. No, they don't like it, Bert. So you know what, D? Mayor Lori Lightfoot has a point. She has a point. Got to give her credit for it. So there you are, guys. That's the week that was in Chicago and or Illinois. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. You got to check out that interview we had with Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor. If you haven't yet, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcasts. You can always send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. We would always love to hear from you. Leave your name and where you're from. It's preferred if you could. That'd be great. Uh, also, you can call the. Oh, you can reach us on social media, by the way, at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. We have a phone number. We haven't got a call in a while, but it'd be great <laughs> if you called us up. 708 658 4788. That number again is 708 658 Four seven eight eight. We would love to hear from you, Ben. Any uh, any other stories that we missed here? Maybe uh, before we put a button on the week. That I, I can't think of any, but I do want to give a shout out to the weekend shows that we're going to drop. And uh, uh, <laughs> as soon as uh, Lori Lightfoot went on TV uh, to uh, criticize the Tribune, 
Uh, I immediately reached out to Delmarie Cobb, who's been around uh, Chicago politics as long as I have, and she's got a lot to say about Lori Lightfoot, and uh, I think you're all going to enjoy that very much. Delmarie Cobb, <laughs> man, she uh, speaks from her heart. Uh, and, of course, Ramana Hussein, uh, Ramana Rundown. Uh, we just finished that interview, uh, and that'll drop on Sunday. So a uh, good weekend show's coming up before the 4th of July weekend. We will be back on Tuesday. So the fourth will not interrupt our uh, scheduled plans, but uh, Ramon Hussein and Delmarie Cobb this weekend. And speaking of Tuesday, what's going to be happening on Tuesday? Oh, thank you for saying that. Uh, First Tuesday returns live show, an actual live show at the hideout will be, uh, man, that's, that's amazing. I heard it sold out. I would promote people, promote the show and say buy tickets, but it's all sold out. Uh, Maya Dugmasa for myself, uh, state Senator Rob Martwick and, um, uh, Deli Ramirez, State Representative Deli Ramirez and Rod Martin will be talking about the elected school board issue. It's sold out. Uh, but if I know the Ben Jarofsky show, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. A feeling deep inside. Whoa, yeah. I got a feeling, Dennis, uh, that we will be recording it, you know, dropping it on our podcast. Oh, hell uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it should be a great time. I'm so happy we're going to be back at the hideout. And that Dennis will be there buying drinks for everyone. So, oh, uh, that's yeah. not true at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. Have a great weekend, everybody. All right. I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Walton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Lori Lightfoot, Jeanette Taylor, and Delmarie Cobb will tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day.